Welcome to episode five of the Drown in Sound Music Review Show. My name's Sean Adams, the editor of Drown in Sound. Today we're going to discuss the Mercury Music Prize 2015, find out about the history of the awards from two of the judges and what they feel their favourite winners have been in the past, the experiences they've had being involved with judges and the process to date. We're also just going to talk about what a great album is because I think that's quite a difficult question to answer, so we might as well start with a really difficult question. Um, today I'm joined by Daniel Perry, my co-host, Kate Mossman, who's the arts editor at the New Statesman. I was almost going to get the wrong job title. And uh, you may have recently seen her on BBC4 TV shows talking to uh, amazing women. How was your experience of being in front of the camera rather than behind the page? It was all right. It was a lot of fun, actually. We interviewed a load of women that don't often get to tell their stories. So there were some good yarns. In there. <laughs> and uh, we're joined by Mr John Kennedy, the voice of XFM, the voice of Exposure. Uh, <laughs> and, and now Radio X. Yeah, I, I, you, you need to yeah. follow that up with. I sometimes forget that the uh, the rebranding has happened. Yeah. The uh, has the transitional period been exactly the same for you as it's always been? It's been quite smooth sailing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So we had these trails which said everything has changed, <laughs> and, and nothing changed whatsoever for me. Um, but that's you know more than luck possibly yeah. <laughs> than by design. But yeah, things are great. So you're both judging the awards this year, and. Kate, you've judged the awards for two years previously? Yeah, this is my third time, so I'm still a bit of a virgin. But <laughs> and, and John, how many times have... Uh... I've done it a few years now. Um, I think 2009 was my first one. Speech to Bell was the f- winner mm. of the first year that I was involved. So it's been downhill since then, obviously. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm feeling a bit like a veteran now, because when I first started, there were all these people who were like, oh, wow, they're involved and they're involved. And, you know, and, and some of them had been doing it for a decade or, or something like that. And now I'm actually in that position. You're the old guard now. With, with <laughs> this one other guy, Mike Flynn, who's the editor of Jazzwires magazine. And, um, and it's really strange because I think he had started the year before me and now we're the old guard. Yeah, mm. it's about we'll probably be taken outside next year and shot. <laughs> yeah, we rely on them to answer all our questions about yeah. the process, basically. You, have, what's the most boring question you've asked John so far about the process? Um, <laughs> how's, yeah. how's it worked, John? <laughs> Kate's never boring. Come on. Yeah. No, but there's bound to be some. Uh, so, am I allowed to ask for my starter now? <laughs> um, so let's kick off with the challenging question of what makes a great album. Maybe in the context of what makes a good album for the, the prize, but I guess your own personal views on what makes a great album is far more important than really that, that the bigger question. I always feel like a, a great record is something you put it on and you feel that you've been dropped into a film that you've missed the beginning of and you think, I want to know more about this. What on earth is this? This is bigger than one song. This is bigger than you know whoever this artist is. There's an experience I want to understand here. I want to know this story and that's what a good album is for me. That was an annoyingly good answer. Yeah, it was. That's very good. John, how are you? Uh... Oh, I just agree with Kate. <laughs> um, so, so I like a sense of completeness. You know, when yeah. you listen to a record and, and you feel you, you've got the whole thing and, and something that you don't feel any tracks should be dropped or, mm. or that there isn't any filler there or they, they run out of ideas or time or, or something at this point um, in, in the recording process and then just thought, oh, that'll do. Yeah. No, I, I like it when you don't feel like that about an album. I mean, there's loads of great albums that have moments like that, but they wouldn't necessarily make fantastic albums yeah. as, as something that you would uh, give an award to, maybe. Yeah. How long do you um, stick with an album before you know if you're going to love it or not? Is it like the first track thing or do you, do you give it to like track three, track four, or do you see it right through? Because I know sometimes, you know, there's so much music out there. You know, how, how quickly can you judge an album? I think there's a lot of records that have maybe really, you know, four really good songs all piled up the front. Mm. And you, you've got the first 15 minutes and you think, this is great, this is a contender. And then you realise that it maybe doesn't have the, the stamina or the shelf life that some other ones do. Mm. And the best kind of records reveal themselves maybe the third or fourth time you listen to them. But there's something that makes you keep going from the start. And that's the kind of yeah. mystery. There's a bit of a magic thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. I think you were saying we were in the pub earlier and you were saying that actually the more successful albums are single heavy towards the front, which I found really fascinating. So I thought it makes more sense to kind of spread singles out throughout a record, doesn't it, to keep people listening right through. But you said... Well, firstly, we were in a library drinking mint tea. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, second... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I guess Hounds of Love is just the, the kind of benchmark, just opening with four of the greatest songs of all time and then following it with six kind of brave... But isn't the second side kind of, a cold concept piece? Yeah. You know, so, so which is know. which is essentially what an album began as, I guess, yeah, I rather suppose. than putting the singles 
But uh, I, I, it's, it's funny because you kind of get asked that question as somebody who's um, meant to have uh, suggestions for, for bands as to what they should do. And in some ways, I'm often disappointed when new up-and-coming bands don't put a load of singles in at the start mm. because I want whoever buys the album to be blown away immediately so they just think, yeah, to keep this going. is just so exactly. good. Yeah. And then eventually yeah. they can discover all those other songs. I mean, obviously, sometimes when you're telling a story or there's a journey uh, to unfold, then putting all the singles together that don't necessarily tell that story properly is is probably wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, in terms of consumption um, and musical consumption, loading it top-heavy with singles to start mm. with is a good way of, of kind of buying time and, and getting people on side straight away. And yeah. I often think, especially with, with albums that have got a bit of filler or you know, that, that get, you know, lock them in means that they, if they put the CD on, if they're still using CDs, mm. they'll plonk it on and just let it run. And if they stop it, they'll have probably stopped after about track five and then moved on to something else. But they'd have got everything they wanted. But with formats, that changes, doesn't it? Because when we had the cassette and when we had vinyl, of course, you've got two different chapters, yeah. only. So you start each side with, you know, you're laying out your stall, aren't you, at the beginning of each kind of purpose. Now when it's streaming, it's a, it's a different idea, mm. isn't it, of mm. how you would track list or... CD, I suppose, isn't it? So it's difficult because now everyone's putting out everything on every format, aren't they? Well, so there's also, tricky. like, had Bowie started low with the end half, like, would anyone have ever kind of yeah. ploughed through that and found the hits? Like, would the people it... picked up and just thought, this is a weird record, I'm not listening to this. <laughs> I always find it so fascinating the way often the artist has no, no part in this decision of how the album is actually put together. Often, you know, new bands, they come out with stuff, they don't know what the single is. Mm. And that's such a strange idea that we think, as a, a casual listener, you think they were they were part of the process of what's going to be released and what wasn't. And certainly traditionally, mm. they someone else did that part for them and said, oh, no, that's the single, trust me. Mm. And they might be, sometimes they would have been thinking, no, no, don't put that one out. You know? Yeah. Well, you, some of the stories you hear about the history of music, of bands delivering an acoustic album and coming out with drums and bass and things on. the. Uh, <laughs> but I, I guess... The bands that understand what an album is and bands that aren't just putting singles out to put out singles collections. Essentially, a lot of albums these days could just be those Girls Aloud greatest hits of singles, which I'd be pretty happy if Girls Aloud just put out greatest hits out every 10 years. That would be a phenomenal record. Why do they bother making albums, some of these acts? There's there's definitely a, a shift, I guess, with, with kind of track culture and playlists and the uh, world of people's attention span being loving one song and going to a show and people talking over the album tracks. Yeah. The, yeah, uh, we can take all those people out back and shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's gone full circle in many ways. I mean, you know, fifties and sixties in terms of pop music were all about the songs and the singles, and albums were a kind of adjunct to that. That oh well, actually, we could try and get people to buy this again by putting them on one record, and and then obviously that developed over time. You know, partly inspired by Frank Sinatra's Groundwork or, or, or something like that, and then people thought, well, we can get more out of this, and, and started having highfalutin ideas, and you know, thinking. I learned a bit about classical music when I was at school. Maybe, you know, I'm in a rock band. I could do something as clever as that and really impress girls. <laughs> and, you know, so, so it, it developed and now, you know, it's gone back to, to just the songs. And in some ways I'm quite into that because especially doing what I do, you know, picking tracks to play on the radio, often you are just looking and listening to individual tracks and often you're listening to 30 seconds thinking, yes, no, and making a quite snap judgment but that's one of the reasons that's exciting about being involved in the mercury prize is that you're kind of forced by the nature of, mm. of the job that you have to listen to the whole of the album and and make an assessment of some kind and if it doesn't take you all the way to the end if it doesn't grip you all the way mm. then maybe you know that's one of the reasons why it gets pushed to one side which neatly and the segue that wasn't meant to be a segue brings me to the next question trained radio professional um, <laughs> so the so when you've done the long list so far to try and get it down to 12 <laughs> albums suddenly saying that thinking there's more or less um what was your process of going through those in the long list did you have to listen to all i think it was 300 on the long list yeah yeah that's the idea yeah you kind of sign up for that punishment. Was it like Clover Orange just being pinned to a chair and listening it's to 300 weird, albums? It? It, we start in, in July, so it's quite a long process. Yeah, really. although, yeah, you kind of wish you had more time, I think, yeah. you know, sometimes. You think, oh, I can't, I, because I, I, as so often happens, once you arrive at the 12, I go back to some of the ones that, that were submitted that didn't make it through to the 12. I think, you know, actually, I really like this record. <laughs> no, and inevitably that happens. There are things that, that fall through um, either because no, nobody else likes them or just, you know, they don't have the same impact because sometimes, you know, it takes, it takes time, mm. you know. Mm. It's quite an interesting thing how many don't make it to the final 12 and, and you know, the, the final 12 is a story in it 
in its own right, mm. I think. And those other lost records take on their own story again. Well, probably not that lost. <laughs> no, no, yeah, 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 well, some of now, them. Now they no longer can be heard by anybody else. <laughs> it's quite nice sometimes yeah. to strip out this, any sense of, of who they're actually by mm. and what they are. And I often listen um, to the album, the, the iPod, the first time round when I'm going on holiday over the summer. And I remember the first time I heard the uh, Young Fathers record from mm. last year, Dead. Um, I had no idea, never heard of them. And I was transfixed and I found this record sort of intimidating and a little bit scary and very, very compelling. And I remember just, you know, literally just pulling the iPod out of my pocket and saying, who on earth, who the hell are these guys? Mm. And that feeling sort of stayed with me throughout the entire process. For me. That was a, a, a record that completely on its own merit grabbed everyone by the throat. Mm. And there was no thinking, this, you know, this band deserved the prize. What have these reviews have been like? I mean, maybe i am sort of uh, got my head in the sand, but I'd never heard of it before. Mm. What planet are you on? <laughs> <laughs> but, I think... no, but, that, but that's great because that's what the prize is all about, mm. really. It's about sharing discoveries and hoping that some people will hear something they've never heard before. In the same way that you'd put a radio show together or a TV show together showcasing music or a magazine together and hope that somebody looks at it and comes across something they've never heard mm. before and are drawn in and go away and, and want to explore that further. Do you end up with loads of records that you end up wanting to go listen to because you've done through the judging process of just like a few personal favourites and things? Not that I'm asking you what they were, but the uh, I imagine that's probably one of the, the fruits of doing it from judging other prizes. That's usually what I walk away with is... Oh, we never would have heard that otherwise. And yeah. Totally, totally. I, I haven't mean... stopped listening to the Nick Mulvey record mm. all year. And um, that, again, was something that I just... Uh, it seems to offer more every time you hear it. And that's what these that's what a good album should do. It should just sort of feel a bit like it's constantly unfolding, even a year later or something. Mm. I mean, I think sometimes for people like myself and Kate, we do get to hear an awful lot of albums over the course of our, our work, as it were. But often the things that... Um, we hear through the Mercury Prize are things that we wouldn't necessarily get sent. Mm. No, and that's quite exciting. So you're, you're hearing things that you're not aware of and whether they make it through the 12 or not, it, it doesn't matter because you've discovered this artist who, oh, they're really good, you know. It's also that natural filtering process you have to have of knowing if this can be relevant for something you could be paid to write about or something you play on the radio. It's yeah. there's, there's definitely stuff you'd probably quickly filter when a pile of post comes in that... Or emails, so you're like, well, that's not really relevant to what I do, and you end up being blinkered because, well, you're you're running New Statesman's not necessarily going to commission a feature on some two-piece noise band from <laughs> from Chicago that are never going to play the UK. And maybe they would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if they were political. Yeah, <laughs> not if they were singing about dolls, <laughs> unless it was political. <laughs> it always feels to me a bit like, um, it, it, you know, part of this experience is a bit like when you're a, a kid and you first discover music, which is a very, very natural process in that something just sticks out of the speakers on the radio and you think, oh gosh, I've got to find out who this person is. And of course, in the old days, you had to wait until that song was played again. And sometimes mm. they never even said the name of who it was. And it was so frustrating. DJ. So in, <laughs> yeah. so in a sense, there is there is still that kind of um, um, sort of fairly pure process to it, mm. I've found. It, it, stuff that just grabs you is what gets through is it more a kind of uh, sort of organic and sort of a feeling you get from the music is it as simple as that or do people go into sort of the musicianship or, or the or the production or the recording of it is, is that taken into consideration as well as the kind of just personal reaction you get from the art i, th I think that comes into the conversation mm. um but i think possibly um the thing that spurs that conversation is is the music itself and then the conversation starts and you discuss aspects of it yeah. and why you think this is so good and why it, it it has such an impact and you know somebody might know oh well they've they've worked with this person and they've they've been to this school of right yeah. you know, music or whatever and and that's their background that's what might inform some of that um but it's it's interesting because the the the, the key thing is what's the record like and what what does it sound like what what effect does it have on you and um 
you know, that's the, the kind of bottom line, really. Mm. Have you ever heard any records in, in the sort of collection where you think, this is kind of nearly brilliant, but it hasn't been executed well enough? Has that ever come up, ever cropped up? I couldn't say names, but <laughs> <laughs> it comes up in that you sometimes think maybe the next time this person releases something, right, okay. then they've yeah. got it. So that can that can sometimes be the feeling. This is an amazing talent. It's not quite there yet. Because you yeah. have to be honest about the idea of, I mean, ultimately, is this a record that you want to promote for maybe your mum to buy uh, or maybe your teenage cousin or something? Mm. And you don't you don't want to promote a record that you think isn't quite there because it's a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. The record has to be as near to perfect as, as damn it. And, yeah. you know, um, and it's more about the record than the artist, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And yet, um, in some ways, the... The caliber of the artist comes through the record, you know, and, and uh, new exciting artists who've got something different to say come through because of the record that they've made. I think, you know, mm. say like you mentioned, Young Fathers, uh, and your experience with them last year. I mean, it was because it was like, whoa, what is this that that helped give their record so much impact? I think, and for for a lot of people involved in in the judging process, do you have to give feedback to anybody? To the artists, to the labels, no. or anything. Do you have to give feedback, or no, not to the labels. No, I mean it, it's it, it. Is there a giant spreadsheet of all the judges' feedback on all the tracks? <laughs> the ju- just is. internally, the, uh, maybe there is that we don't know yeah. about. Yeah, yeah there could be. There'd be WikiLeaks one day. The, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I guess there are a few things that I always think are important to clarify with the Mercury Prize. It's it's for British and Irish music. So often, you know, and Drowned Sound has done this many times. Have people, media, uh, and individuals have have reacted to the prize and and the list every year and react in different ways and find holes in it and and criticise it mm. and sometimes well, that's um, all I'm good for is criticism. It, but, <laughs> but some sometimes they're unaware of, of some of the criteria yeah. involved. So they're saying, why wasn't that Sonic Youth album nominated? Mm. Because they're it's, American, yeah. they can't be part of the prize. Um, and also, like so many competitions in the world, be they the Olympics or the FA Cup, you have to kind of enter. To to to, mm-hmm. to win or to be a part of it, you have to kind of pay an entry fee and and be you know take part in it. Yeah, you no, know, just as you would if you wanted to run the hundred meters with your local athletics com- uh, uh, club. You know, yeah, so, so, so often those... the people you see complaining on social media are the ones where the label haven't remembered to enter their record <laughs> and, paid, possibly. and paid the fee. And I think when I entered a record from my record label, you had to submit like thirty CDs and the uh, yeah, it's quite. And then you realise there's sort of. 300 other records in the list so your chances being nominated are a lot a lot yeah. smaller than so if you're budgeting you might not yeah 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 <laughs> i mean it, i mean that I, i've heard that from various different labels very different sizes um across various different awards actually mm. oh it's too expensive i couldn't possibly enter that yeah um, when we judge the aim awards some yeah. of the prizes are free to enter it they just it's going to take you two hours to fill in the form and people aren't entering and yeah the uh, the age old why is there no metal? It's like well, there was one metal album that put themselves forwards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a shame that that yeah. is the case, but um, but those are important things to bear mm. in mind. You know, when if you're going to start hurling your rocks, mm. no. and your metal, <laughs> and your metal. Yeah, yeah. The um, what what sort of things are in the long list pile when you get there? Is it lots of things you were aware of, or is it lots of lots of records you've never come across before? I wonder whether there's almost like a small cottage industry of people that are just making records that pretty much the only place they send them is the Mercury Prize. And <laughs> Maybe. It's very there's, there's always a lot of yeah. names I don't recognise yeah. when I look at them. I mean, there's something like, this year there was something like 290 entries. Hmm. And um, definitely some of them definitely seem like they're people who, you know, Danielle and Sean have collaborated together and made a lovely album mm. and decided, this is great, this is good. This We're going to enter this podcast yeah, next year. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you know, they enter their album and mm. they they haven't got it in any shops. Yeah. Um, they've never sold any copies, mm. possibly. You know, I'm dreaming up this story, yeah. but it certainly seems that way for some of the entries that, you know, it's like, no, I haven't read or heard a note of this at all. And obviously that could be a really exciting thing, but, you know, it... I think it helps anybody's cause to promote elsewhere as well as you know, mm-hmm. just uh, betting on the Mercury yeah. Prize. <laughs> yeah. We're only going to release it if it gets nominated. Yeah. If not, it's just going to stay there for another 15 years unreleased. But I guess there's, you know, there's seven, for instance, on the uh, long list this year, there's seven debuts. Mm-hmm. So I think the balance is, is pretty... I mean, I kind of like it when you get albums turning up in the long list that are by really established artists. I, I like the fact that Bowie was in it last year. Mm. I just thought there's something about... because. You know, it's great when people we've all heard of win the prize. I think that's there's there's no point in making it just about some new artist that we've got to plug that no one's ever mm. heard of, and isn't that surprising? 
So I'm sort of, uh, I'm all for it, you know, Elton John winning it one year or something. Like that. Be, I think that'd be fantastic. But I, mean, but I don't know the, if it'll happen. He's got to write a good album, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess that's the thing about... Um, about the prize being a year in music. It's meant to reflect a year. So sometimes, and I think particularly this is a good example for this year, you know, a year without Aphex Twin and Florence um, would have seemed possibly unrepresentative of, of what was happening this year because they had two big impacts in terms of what, you know, their, their arrival and, and, you know, what they had to say and, and their engagement in in the world of music, you know, yeah. by, by their art, as it were. You know, it had such a big impact that it would almost seem ridiculous if they weren't there and I think that applied to David Bowie last year mm. in a way What do you think the list this year sort of tells us about the state of, I guess, British music or British culture right now? Because I think all the records together have... They don't really have one clear kind of narrative or message to them, but I think there's definitely a, a diversity to them all that kind of show, I guess, literally that bookends of Aphex and Florence that could probably both play on two different stages at the same time at a festival, um, but probably not play to any of the same people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I guess that's that's part of the... Of the point is mm. to to try and show off just how much diversity there is, you know, and and show how how many different areas of of British and Irish music are, are going on and doing things that are really interesting and really engaging. You know? Yeah. I think it's quite good to, you know, we, we all look back all the time in music nowadays because so much brilliant stuff has been done the last four decades. And I think it's nice to look down a list and see, you know, in a, a year when every single indie band under the Sun is reforming and playing the Roundhouse, that Gaz Coombs is on the list, mm. for instance. This is somebody who has not necessarily gone the way of his peers from that time, and Rasheen as well. That Rasheen is still doing something that's relevant. It's, um, it, she's sort of, there's something, uh, you know, retrospective and quite nostalgic about her record, but it's also sort of brilliantly new in a way. And it's nice that you have these sort of semi-old guards on the list, because that in itself represents music this year, mm. because... All music is about stuff that's been done in the past as well as new stuff. So. interesting one because he's never really stopped when Supergrass stopped he just started making solo records and we got weirdly we had Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance interviewing him about going solo <laughs> and um, the, the two of them were just saying that's just like they couldn't imagine just going and stopping it was like music's what they do and it's the Reformation stuff is kind of strange and like none of those bands who reformed have really put a new record out maybe it'll be a Stone Roses record for you to uh, consider next year but the um, there's definitely a, something that's happened in this this process of reformations that yeah the I guess nostalgia was the the thing that I got from the Jamie XX record it's got that kind of this is England ninety almost feel to it it's that view of kind of dance culture through a, which weirdly I was reading something someone posted yesterday and they were saying they went to a club on Friday and it was like 1974 or 1994 because yeah. 1994 was pretty much 1974 in a club anyway it was just there were some Oasis and Blur tracks thrown in. The, uh, I guess club culture's always got that kind of history and your kind of older siblings, generations and cousins and uncles. Clubbing's always got that. And yeah, because in a way, in you know any club, the thing that fills the floor is the songs everyone knows. Mm. So there's always that sense of looking back and you can sort of smell the mirror balls in Jamie XX. I love that kind of, um, that kind of confidence, that sense of history that you have in some of these records this year. 
Like I was trying to work out whether there was a theme that ran through all the records from your, because like, I'm, I'm guessing you guys have listened to them a bit closer than than I have. Even just preparing for the show, listening to all twelve albums, I found was actually quite a big task alongside all the other listening. And I, I think the theme, the, if there is a uniting theme, it would just be vision. I mean, mm. you know, all of these artists have had a clear vision of what they've been trying to do on their own piece of work, you know, and and it's quite distinct to each of them you know they're all quite different you know so you, you know slaves have got their own vision haven't they just as gaz has just as soak has mm. just as eska has an apex to it i mean they've all got really different visions of what they want to try and do musically and and if that is a uniting theme i mean obviously completely you know 12 different yeah <laughs> disparate visions but yeah. they all have you know really strong-minded views on things i think so it's like staring through a kaleidoscope Possibly, yeah. But you said there were so many debuts on there as well. The labels are giving these artists the time, aren't they, to create such a wonderful product as well. I mean, Soak is on Rough Trade, right? And has been working for a few years on mm. that. And so obviously for the labels to have that much belief in their artists and to let them spend so much time on these mm. records it is so important as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in Benjamin Clementine and, and Soak, you've got kind of a little bits of genius flashing there. You've mm. got young people who've got, um, a sort of particularly in the case of Clementine, a personality that's almost sort of too big for the record sometimes. And Soak, I could, remember could seeing... Could you tell us a little bit about the record? Because I think that's one that a lot of people might not have heard. Gosh, it was definitely one when it came up on the list I wasn't aware of. Mm. And... Yeah, I mean, it sounds... It, it's When I first heard it, it reminded me of um, Anthony Hegarty and Nina Simone. It's sort of historical. It sort of feels time travelly. It's storytelling. Um, it's somebody who you don't feel there's an overarching producer or puppeteer behind. Mm. Um, he's just a, a young chap from Edmonton. I think he lived in Paris as well. And it's very, very literary. It's quite difficult in a way. It's quite difficult music. I found um, it a little bit like an audiobook when I was listening yeah, to it. It's yeah. sort of, rather than hooks or kind of big refrains that come back in, it was just a story that was carrying on. And the, uh, I found that I had to pay attention to it. I couldn't just leave it on and think I can absorb this and try and understand it. Yeah, which in a sense is another one of those signs of a good album, mm. album rather mm. than singles, that you, you have to give it your attention. You almost want to put the lights off and, and listen to it. And I think if you think about the number of um, albums that there are that we'd have to start with, when you get personalities pushing through, that's, that's an example of that with a Clementine record. Mm. No wonder why the road seems so long Cause I had done it all felt this feeling tell me don't be ashamed you felt it before is there any tracks in particular from the records that really st stood out for you guys wow they're kind of asking you to bring <laughs> it from, uh, from from albums down into individual songs and no, you've got to listen to the whole album. Okay. <laughs> Fine, we'll, 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 pick, we'll, we'll pick our own. I reckon I, I would say um, there's a track on the C. Duncan record called Four, which is very, very nice. Beautiful. It would yeah, work well on the That's a lovely record. But I'm trying to remember the song, but there's a song apparently written about his favourite jacket that his brother gave him. His brother gave him a kind of boating blazer. And um, and so he, he he wrote a song, and it's not it, you wouldn't know necessarily listening to the song that oh that must be about your favourite jacket you wouldn't know that but but that's what it is and it's it's really sweet it's really nice yeah that was another record that I'd not caught much attention before the awards came out and the uh, investigated it was quite surprising it sounded that weird thing where some Scottish records sound slightly American. Like you could see that he's like there was weirdly like a, a kind of shins kind of feeling, but I think it's because those Scottish bands influence so much of kind of North American music mm. in a in an odd way. The uh, that one that one kind of took me by surprise. The uh, I think I really like that, and I was really pleased that it made it through to the final twelve um, because it's quite a distinct record, and and he's quite a distinct artist who isn't trying to fit in with anybody at the moment, and he made it all himself in his bedroom. It's so hushed because he was trying to not wake up neighbours and things like that. Um, but he's developed it in such a way that when he plays it live, he's got a full band and they do these three or four part harmonies and it's all 
quite clever, really. Records one we haven't touched upon yet. Well, I was um, good, almost going to draw a parallel. You're talking about yeah. uh, between Benjamin and, and Ghost Poet, in that you know it's like listening to an audio book. You know, it's like a Ghost Poet's album's a bit like a, a diary in a way. You know, and and uh, the strange thing about it is it's almost as if when you listen to it, he's reading out your diary. Mm. You know, not quite, but it's like, hey, he's he's some kind of mind reader. I think that's one <laughs> of the reasons why people are drawn into his world is that it he makes his um, song seems so everyday and, and so like you know speaking your mind that it, it, it's fantastic in that way you're kind of thinking wow how's he, how's he managed to do that it made me think of overhearing a really charismatic person on the bus that you couldn't follow your own conversation because you kept listening into yeah. what they were talking about you're just writing down snatches and texting yeah. your friends with it. Yeah. I, I think he'd like to be called charismatic yeah he's very, he's very... charismatic person on a bus yeah. he is a charismatic yeah. person basically I've seen signs and wonders up in that calf. Mugs of peas and baker sarnies run free and feeling carefree in that. Hold it down, keep it calm. Winding kids will harden on. Maybe a couple quid in your palm, but we both know that ain't near enough. Look, life is tough, life ain't easy. Clutching handbags, grinding daily. It's gone crazy, someone save me. It's just me, my fish, my lady. See. But interestingly, Abaro is uh, one of the people who's, who has been a, a prize on the judging panel. And, um, a judge on the judging panel. Yeah, or did it, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> did I say a prize? I'd like to win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the prize is being a judge on the yeah. panel. Uh, he's been a judge on the panel before. And um, yeah, that's one of the things that they do is invite some of the artists who've been mm. nominated to, if they, to see if they want to be a judge. So this year, Nick Mulvey is, is one of the judge judges. And Anna, Anna Calvi is mm. now doing it again. Second year, yeah. Mm. And um, Corinne Bailey Ray is, is returning as a judge. She was a judge a few years ago and obviously she was nominated a few years ago as well. And and it's I think that is an aspect of the judging process that the Mercury Prize um, introduced that is, is quite exciting. They try and get musicians and people who are involved in, in music, specifically conductors, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to be involved in, in the process as almost expert opinions, you know, not just critics who sit in a darkened room and, and think they know best, but people who actually go into studios and write music and yeah. work with musicians. And so they've, every year there are a few people involved who um, have either been nominated or, or really you know, well-respected artists in their own right. That's they, great. They genuinely listen to music in different ways, I find. They do, you know, they, yeah. they, A comment might be something like, um, uh, you know, I like this record because the voice is... Um, back in the mix where all the other instruments are. It's not sticking forward. And I, I just wouldn't have heard that mm. as, a, as a critic, but a musician will hear that. And it's, you know, or, or the harmonies in this are so complex. I, mean, I don't know. I find it really sort of refreshing to listen to what the music judges have to say. Yeah, yeah, it's great because they, they, they really do come with a different angle, especially because if you work in media, you inevitably um, become aware of lots of different things and lots of thrusts of, of popular opinion. Um, and they live in their own little bubbles where they try and ignore a lot of what's mm. going on around them. And so when they listen as part of the judging process, they're like, wow, I have nothing uh, to, to inform me about this. So they just listen to the music. And, mm. and in many ways, that's what the prize should be all about, which is, you know, it's, it's fascinating. So on the night of the ceremony, obviously everyone plays, don't they? I went last year and it was just such a treat to see, like, you know, some of the best artists and albums of the year performing and it just looks like a logistical nightmare but it's ever so slick um but is there anyone that you guys haven't seen that you're really excited to see live on on the 20th wow um i have only seen benjamin clementine on the television right okay. um so i'd love to see him in person that would be great and um apex twin is he going to turn up I don't know. No. <laughs> Will we know if he turns up? <laughs> People yeah. know what Apex Twin looks like, don't they? Yeah, but he might be in disguise. Mm. Oh, okay. interested to 
see how certain records translate live because the mm. C. Duncan one, for instance, it's a, a guy in his bedroom who's a genius with um, with harmonies and, and mixing. And I don't know how that's that's going to be in live performance. So there's always that kind of magic moment when you see how they actually do it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, are people worry that slaves might... Uh <laughs> do something to cause a, a ruckus being let on TV. But I think they've done a few TV things. I yeah. think they're quite nice boys, really, aren't they? They're, they're nice boys, boys, really. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited that they made it through to the list as well. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I think they've made a fantastic pop record that is just so catchy. And, mm. and the songs are, 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 are really great. They, they actually say something about modern life as well, or uh, attempt to, at least, mm. and, and do it in an entertaining way, which is, which is really, really good. Interesting that punk has become a British pop genre as well, isn't it? It's like that we're such an odd country where a genre like punk can become a mainstream kind of something that people that you can talk to the Queen about and you'd know what it is. But, but then, I'm sure she probably wouldn't know that in depth and uh, doesn't own any Black Flag records. That's a but, chat I really want yeah. to see happening. <laughs> but then punk pop has ruled yeah. the airwaves across the world, hasn't it? In some ways, you yeah. know, from Jimmy Eat World to Five Seconds of Summer. Mm. I mean, that's the the lingua franca of the early teen these days, yeah. isn't it? You know, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> Is it punk? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like it as well when you get bands like Slaves and, and Wolf Alice and they're so young that you know they're discovering this music for the first time as well. So the energy of it is exactly as it was the first time round, even if some mm. of the influences might go back to the 70s and stuff. And you can, you can feel that. It's totally genuine. So mm. I think bands often... You know that you can that comes across when we're listening, doesn't it? If someone believes in the style and in the sound, yeah, yeah, that sense of belief. I mean, how, how do you project belief? But somehow artists do, don't they? And they convince people, and you fall under their spell. Um, the only record we haven't touched on so far, I think, is the Eska record. Um, is that what? How, so how another, you... another favorite? No, <laughs> I, I, I mean Eska. How would you think... describe it? Because I think again, the one that mm. people maybe haven't heard. It's 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 soul, it's jazz, it's folk. It's it's kind of all of those things. There's a, a, a kind of classical side to it as well. Um, I I think it's fantastic. Mm. I think she is fantastic, and I think she's one of those artists that hopefully will benefit from being one of the Mercury Prize albums of the year because um, she's not the youngest of the artists. She's not out there performing every week or every weekend. Um, although she has a tremendous amount of experience in, in the music industry and has sung on hundreds of other people's records. But she was always trying to search for her own vision and her own music that was hers, that she felt was genuinely hers after singing on drum and bass records or house records or soul records. Mm. And and I think that's one of the interesting things about her as an artist, that she really tried to find her idea of what, you know, the kind of music that she wanted to use to express herself. And, and that's why it's quite hard to describe because it has bits mm. of lots of different things, you know, to the point that she remembers um, learning about classical music when she was young and had kind of put that to one side because of all this other stuff she was involved in. And then, you know, it was, but it was such an important part of her that she found that when she was writing her own music that it would kind of come to the fore mm. a bit. And it's quite interesting in that way. Mm. You're all I know I She had finished this album a year ago and it was meant to come out last year, but then she had a baby and, and so the album got pushed back because of that. And it's great that that hasn't harmed it getting some attention. Yeah. You know. Do you think it would have got through last year? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been, because it's pretty amazing. Because it all depends like what, el what else is out, doesn't yeah, it? And no, who's I on the judging panel. And, and I think it's a perfect example of the, that record where you, you think, I need to know more about this. What is yeah. this? It's not, um, we are talking before about those front-loaded records with all the 
bangers at the start. <laughs> yeah. And this is one that's very, very sort of... Um, it's so difficult to explain, isn't it? It's, it's extremely intriguing and it unfolds slowly and subtly. It's and quite it a hypnotic kind of, record. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. gripped, yeah. Yeah, really draws you in. When you were listening, you said that you had an iPod and stuff. Do you have any of the physical? Do you have any of the artwork in front of you? Not these kit? days. Well, no, it's just well, terrible. It cost about a ten thousand quid. That used to be the case. Yeah, and right. A, a so massive, a massive box it. of CDs would arrive. How amazing! And it was fantastic. Christmas. No. What well, you used um, to get three hundred CDs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 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 John I, gets I, that most mornings. Well, <laughs> yeah. I do get a lot, but but it, no, I kind of miss that because mm. say your experience. I don't know whether you're on the beach or by the pool or mm. on a bus. On Young fathers, <laughs> but um, you know, you, often when I when that happens to me, when you come across something, I think, hang on a minute, I want a bit more info, and the iPod just doesn't give you enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't read the credits, you can't see where it was recorded or how it was recorded, or you know, and that that I find a bit frustrating. Mm. John, there's this great thing called the internet. I think you might. Like yeah, that. yeah, but, but that's not always as well because then you get a yeah. review and you don't yeah, want to read yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not always plugged into the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although obviously maybe Sean is. He's got a chip in his brain. I suppose yeah. it's both, isn't it? Because if you don't have any information, you are just listening to the music. Yep. But then yeah. if you're in a different mood and you want to just kind of peruse over the artwork and stuff, it sort of heightens it. I think it's definitely artwork. I mean, artwork can, you know, they, you know, artists choose artwork for reasons, you know, yeah. for mm. many reasons. And they're, they're trying to get something across alongside their music. And I think it, it is an important part of it. Mm. It's funny because, yeah, there's such a, a small space now in which to try and grab people. And maybe, for instance, with Young Fathers, the name Dead was really, really good for that reason. You think, God, what, what a thing to call your record. Yeah. You know? So in a way, you're kind of competing with... A, more boring album titles as well. <laughs> it, is in, it is interesting now with artwork, though, how you end up um, congratulating someone on their artwork because it still works yes, as a, as as a, a tiny, tiny, tiny pixel. Stamp, you know, and it's yeah. like, wow, that look, it looks great as a 12 inch, it looks great as, as a, a pixel. Stamp, you, yeah. you, how did you You've do nailed that? this. Yeah. <laughs> is that why you like the Hard Fire record so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking of Music Complete, the new New Order yeah. album, um, which, you know, that. that that looks great on an iPod-sized thing, and and it looks great as a 12-inch. And <laughs> Peter Saville designed it, and apparently um, it's it looks a bit like a kind of style type cover mm. uh, or inspired piece of work. But he he's got diagonals, which you know the style movement doesn't yeah. use diagonals, and he's kind of curved them slightly, so it actually nods back to Tudor times. Mm. I had this explained to me by Bernard Sumner. Uh, name so dropping, sorry. I, I think next year we should start the miniature music prize. It's just about small <laughs> yeah. artwork. That, Tiny uh, little trophies. So <laughs> mini discs. <laughs> so going back to your kind of growing up experiences of the Mercury Prize and what you've discovered from it, what do you hope? So this is sort of a double question for the price of one. Um, what do you hope that you will discover that? that you would discover if it was you being 15, 16, looking at the prize now? And what for those records for you that you think back and go, oh, wow, I wish that I was sitting on the other end of the, this reading this list. Is there any ones that kind of stick out in your memory that you first remember when you were growing up? I think stuff that, you know, you want to be able to tell people about records that don't possibly get played on the radio and that fall between the mainstream avenues, fall between the cracks, and if they don't happen to come across it on YouTube or whatever service they use, then these things need, you know, some of these things are so great they need to be heard. And it's funny because we have all these avenues to listen to music and we still manage to lose stuff mm. and we still manage to ignore things and that's what this can do sometimes. I, I, I wish I could remember the, which artist this was, but I read an interview with an artist recently and by chance when they were in their early teens, they saw Anthony Hegarty perform on the television and at that point he was never on the television. Mm. And... That that would have been the Mercury Prize, and mm. and that would have that opened a whole new world to them in terms of music and art and what is performance and all this kind of stuff. And and that door was opened by this one tiny moment. And I think that in some ways, often television and radio can play that that part when you hear something or see something and you're completely amazed by it, and and suddenly your world opens up. Obaro, ghost poet, has a really great story. The first album he ever bought was Badly Drawn Boy, mm. the Mercury Prize winning debut mm. album. And that kind of changed his life and, and changed his whole idea of music. And so for him then to be nominated and then nominated again and be a judge is pretty mind-blowing. But mm. I think in a way, the Mercury Prize and, and what it opened up to him opened up this whole other world of music because he, he's somebody who's... you know. He, 
he loves grime and grime. You know, he'll, he'll say, you know, grime is like his default mm. thing that he he thinks he'll never not love grime because it was such a part of his growing up and such an important part. And it's quite interesting that you know he could have just stayed in that yeah. world and been a completely different person and and BDB <laughs> and the Mercury Prize could have changed his his life really. And I think that is obviously the kind of thing that you'd like to think the prize has the potential to do. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it, what it also does is create an awful lot of discussion. So Drowned in Sound has, has been great in the way that over the years you've reacted to and against the prize. But I think that's I don't part... think we've been very against it, but I think well, we've always... I, I, do yeah. you still run the Plutos when you started the uh, Plutos? We might still do that this year. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. what I liked about that, and it's not as if I've mm. you know, even been involved for for all its mm. existence. But what I like is that that's kind of the debate that it's meant to be about. Yeah. It's meant to be, you know, trying to get people to think and absorb and um, weigh up what is being made. Yeah. And, and so if all these people think, ah, they haven't, they've highlighted the wrong ones and highlight a load of other ones, then yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that was... We, we started doing it because we realised that... I think it was just one year. There was one record we really thought was going to be on the list, and we were all get ready to like reappraise it, and it didn't make the list. So we decided to start our own one. And um, yeah, I think I don't really want to. This isn't really the the right place to discuss the things that should have been on the list this year because some of them may not have even put themselves forward. So you can't can't really judge whether that's that's right. But there's definitely, I guess, for me growing up, I remember the, the time when PJ Harvey um, won won the award and. I'd gone from being obsessed with her records and feeling like I was quite detached from what was going on in slightly more mainstream culture to seeing people really like this record and lots of people going out and investigating it. And I didn't have to explain who she was each time. I was like, she was the woman that won the Mercury Music Prize, probably on the day that no one remembers. Um, yeah, that was, was a tough there, one. There was, there was something happened on that day. I don't think <laughs> anyone... It's yeah. not changed any world events. Yeah. Last time I was aware of it was the uh, the year I was about thirteen when M People won. Mm. <laughs> yeah, That's another that. controversial year, though, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Apparently? When Park Life and a different class were in the yeah, and, and M People M walked people away got with it. it. I thought, yeah. what is this prize? It's amazing. Can you, can, you, <laughs> can you imagine what would it, the judging room would have been like with a? Uh, Pulp, with pulp I, fans, I, if I compared that. to what it's like now, to the. Uh... But that's the great thing. I mean, even when um, you know, even the fact that people get riled about stuff that didn't win in the mm. public sphere, at least they care. At least we care about. You know, we, I've I've been in the past, sort of, you know, wishing something win, won and it didn't, and and thinking, oh, you know, it really gets your back up and stuff. And then you walk away from it and thinking, there's no other award system that I particularly care about. Mm. Uh, they, they pass me by a lot of the time, but at least this one is. It's, you can focus on this one. You can understand how it works. And it's small enough for everybody to listen to all those records and care about which one wins, whether it does or not. I think. Mm. And it is art at the end of the day. It, do you know what I mean? There's, there's no sort of, you can't quantify it at yeah. all. So it is just, you know, sort of what happened that year, isn't it? And it's something just to be celebrated, discussed. And then you know. I'm sure in the judging room people are trying to quantify it, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult having, having judged Having judged the AIM Awards, there was definitely oh, yeah, true. quantifying and kind of this shouldn't win because and this should win because. But that's still because you yeah. love it or yeah. you don't love it, isn't it? Yeah. Or but, am, I, am I simplifying yeah. the past hour? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but this is an yeah. arts prize where it is the art that is meant to have the final say. And, and I think sometimes other... Awards, be it the Brit Awards, whatever, they're, they're an acknowledgement of other kinds of factors as well. And so, um, you know, whereas this is just like the Turner Prize, it's mm-hmm. just on the work, or just like the Booker Prize, it's just on on the work. You know, that's that's what the judgment is meant to be about. So, so those other factors come in, but then they also go out of the room. You mm-hmm. know, so they do, you know, inevitably rear their head in the discussion, but it gets refocused back on on so- the music. So run up the awards. What's your uh, listening process going to be? How uh, are you, do you having to like turn down other work so you can sit quietly and listen to some of the records? Are you, uh, are no, you uh, no. people hating you because you're Sunday afternoon? I can't, <laughs> I can't do this because I need to spend more time with Eska. I need to. I guess it's um, incorporating it into all your sort of white noise of the day. You're always listening to these things in the in the lead up to it when you might just be listening to your favourite record over and over again. So, you, yeah, you've just got to discipline yourself and make sure you give everything equal time. Because sometimes, so often, the thing that you wanted to win, you change your mind about. And that's just really interesting to me. I, I keep being surprised by that. I'll go into the, the long list meeting with a clear idea. And then even 
a few weeks later, I'm thinking, no, actually. And, mm. and mm. It, it really does get decided at the last minute, doesn't yeah. it? It's a yeah, very it's strange quite surprising. Process. Yeah, I mean, it is 12 people. So, you know, it is a jury yeah. of, of sorts. And um, and they all have different opinions, darn them. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you, you kind of walk in and think, right, well, this is the game plan and this is how it's yeah. going to work. And then you think, oh, well, they've got a really good point there. And they, I, I, no, I begrudgingly agree with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's quite interesting mm. in that way. It's good. It's good fun in that way. Too. Yeah, that's most of the judging things I've done. It seems to be the eloquence of certain people that love a record that can often really change the people that may be sitting on the fence or know that democratically their choice isn't going to win. So they need to find a team to side with, and they may not have heard the record in question or spend that much time <laughs> with it. The, well, the the AIM Awards, it's the long list. Some of those are like sixty records, aren't they? Whereas this, you've obviously got the twelve, and you've spent yeah. the time with it, and. The, uh, it's quite a different experience yeah. of just focusing on one prize on one day that you've had, was it, I guess, six-month run-up to, yeah. to the evening? Yeah, I, I suppose, so. I mean, July through till November, mm. but then, you know, the decision of the 12 gets made earlier than that. But, so, but, but I, I, for people like myself and Kate, in, in many ways, I mean, we're, we're kind of if, assuming we might be involved again, mm. you, you're kind of starting to prepare Mm. as soon as they're over in that you know i'm already thinking of records that i'm listening to that are about to come out thinking well you know this could yeah. do quite well mm. next year mm. now you know it, it thinking in those kind of terms and um so we're we're in that lucky position where we're absorbing listening to things all the time so you know you by the time you get the the, the 290 albums then you know you have at least given a cursory listen to a lot of them already you know and uh regardless what happens will music be the real winner of course. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, I think that is the, the, the uh, rubbish comment to end on. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time and for joining us. Thank you very much. Um, people can find this podcast on the internet and uh, I will introduce you to that afterwards, John. Okay, excellent. Thank, thanks for Thank listening. <laughs> Cheers, bye.